Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is uh, sponsored by Danielle and Rafi Hasbani. Dedicated in honor of Jessica Zaga, thank you for all that you do for the synagogue in celebration of Jessica Zaga's birthday. Uh, in truth, we all owe a tremendous debt of gratitude uh, to our birthday girl uh, for her tremendous uh, energy and focus and always doing the very best job that she can to be able to build the community, to build the events, the programs, uh, the, uh, the, the kiddush, the, uh, the breaking the fast, really the seating for the high holidays. Uh, there's so, so many things that she does behind the scenes that people don't know. So we have a tremendous debt of gratitude to Jessica Zaga. Hashem should bless her. Hashem yimaleet. Kol mishalot lebech letova. Hashem should be zocheh to see tachat ha'upata. And to be zocheh to all the be'achot ha'ktuvot ba'sefer hazeh. Uh, Breakfast in the class is also dedicated in loving memory of Ms. Lily Safra Lea Shalom. Lilui Nishmat Lea Batchana. Our philanthropy has reached so many throughout the entire world. Benedetto, can I trouble you to pass me the bottle of Rooks right over there? Um, we seem to have a lot of confusion out there in the world. Many people do not understand what is going on. Yes, that, Benedetto, that. There's, many people do not understand what it is that we're announcing every day. And yesterday, we had a fellow. His name was Nir, who uh, listens to the class, uh, him and his wife, all the time in Melbourne, Australia. And he was uh, very, very happy to meet, uh, to meet us live and, uh, and to understand and to, and to tell us that every day he listens to the class all the way from the other side of the world, from a land down under. The one thing he does not understand, he struggles to understand amongst uh, many, many people who do not come from this country, is what do we announce every day when we talk about the week of cold brew, uh, sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to good today and every day. And as well, the fact that the month of cold brew was dedicated in honor of Rochelle Syed, donated by her children. So to clear up any, uh, any questions, I'm going just to show you once and for all, this is cold brew. <laughs> Put this on a t-shirt, please, someone. Okay? It is, it is a... Mixture, generally we get from Rooks is one of the best. Uh, Rook, uh, for all those people who get annoyed that I say Rooks. Uh, it's from Rook. Uh, it is a cold brewed coffee. So you can have it in your iced coffee instead of in your hot coffee. So that's all we've been talking about all this time. And if you're wondering why we're obsessed with coffee, you have to try it yourself. <laughs> uh, and then you'll understand. Okay. My friends, let's begin. <clears throat> We're all familiar with the story of Yaakov Avinu and Esav jockeying for position for the Berachot. Where Esav believes that the Berachot, are des- uh, he deserves the Berachot because he's the Bechor, he's the eldest. Um, Yitzchak also decides to confer the Berachot on Esav. Rivka comes and tells Yaakov, get in there, you take the Berachot. Because Rivka and Yaakov know something that Yitzchak does not. And what is that? That Yaakov has already purchased the Bechorah and all that comes with it from Esav, willingly, many, many years in the past. So my friends, this idea uh, that Esav has, that the Berachot belonged to him, is it's mistaken, it's confused. Either way, es- Yaakov comes and he takes the Berachot. Esav comes, he's very upset. Yaakov, uh, sorry, Yitzchak finds out that uh, Esav says in his own words, wow, he got me twice. 
He got me now for the Beracha, and he got me once before for the Bechora. Esav understands, Yitzchak understands, and he says, oh, if that's the case, Gam Baruch he should, uh, he deserves the Berachot, because you gave it up, you sold it, on that day, all those years ago, uh, with the Bechora. My friends, the aftermath of this is that Esav is filled with such an anger and a hatred towards his brother that he contemplates and he decides that he's going to commit fratricide. He's going to commit his, uh, a murder of his brother. V'yugad Rivka, and it was told to Rivka, et divrei Esav the words of Esav, her elder son. How was it told to her? Esav said it to himself. It was told to her, B'nivu'ah. So she comes, She sends for Yaakov, her youngest son, and she says, Your brother wants to kill you. And now my son, listen to my voice. Go, run to my brother Lavan who lives in Haran. And you will stay with him. Yamim Achadim means a few days. Yamim Achadim. Singular days. Ad Asher Tashuv Chamat Until your brother's anger will, will relax, will return. Ad Shuv Af Until your brother's anger uh, uh, comes off of you. He will forget what you did to him. And I will send for you. And I will take you from there. Why should I lose both of my sons in one day in that epic showdown for when it's going to happen? My friends, there's a couple things that I want to point out here. And one of them in particular that I feel is a very strong lesson for all of us who find ourselves in similar circumstances. You know, what she tells him initially, she says, your brother wants to kill you. I mean, just so we're clear, how high does the anger meter need to run that you decide you're going to kill your brother? Not like I'm going to kill him, but like I'm going to kill him. I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, Iago, you are an 11. I mean, this is a super high level of anger. Right? Why does she think going away for a couple of days is going to solve that? So my friends, the word yamim, we know in many other places in the Torah, yamim is an expression, a euphemism. I see my friend from Israel over here, the Skan Meir of Rechovot, is nodding his head. We have the word yamim, also means two years. Yamim in other places in the Torah means two years. Achadim means singular. Says the Ibn Ezra, who was a master of Digduk, he says, Achadim, what does Achadim mean? Less than 10. Why? Because any number less than 10 is still a singular number. We leave the klal of Achadim at what point? At the number 10. Then you're in the tens column, not in the singles column. So she says, Yamim Achadim, it might take a year, two, three, four, nine. But, you know, it will be less than 10 years. You might have to go away for a while. But maybe, you know, by that time you'll be able to come back. Rivka hopes for that amount of time to be enough. But as we know, 
actually that anger, it simmers, it burns for a very, very long time. And actually, Esav's anger outlasts Rivka's life. And this is the last time that Yaakov sees his mother's face when she sends him to Haran. So we're all familiar with the idea that Yaakov did not have the years, he didn't, all the years he missed with his father, 22 years, that's the 22 years of Yosef. We're all familiar with that idea. But he never saw his mother again, ever. Okay? So this idea, Yamim Achadim, go away for some time. You know, until, uh, until that time, until what? Yamim Achadim, Ad Asher Tashuv Chamat Achicha. The Or Haim writes something unbelievable. He says that oftentimes when it comes to anger, all it takes for that anger to diminish is time. Because he says, Chema, anger, just, just the ingredient of time, slowly but surely, lessens miritichata from its boiling point. And my friends, I think that we learn an amazing lesson from these words of Rivka. Now she may have misjudged how long it would take. But then again, we're also, in our own lives, when we experience someone that we've angered, or that we've hurt, or that we've upset, it's true that, Rachel, that Rivka misjudged how long it would take. But we're also not dealing with homicidal maniacs like, like Esav. We're not dealing with dysfunctional murderers, rapists, you know, thieves. Esav was a one-stop shop for everything wrong that could go wrong with a human being. So when you're not dealing with an Esav, and by the way, one of the first things to realize is that when you're in an argument with someone, you're fighting with someone, it is our natural instinct to villainize, to defame the person, and to cast them and paint them out as this horrible, terrible, malicious, you know, vindictive. We use all the terminologies. Never was your uh, uh, vocabulary so rich and replete with words to describe someone as when you're angry at them. And we paint every person to be an Esav. But they're not. And more often than not, that person was trying to do the same thing you're trying to do. What are you trying to do? He's trying to make a living. Is he being honest about it? No. But what are you trying to do? Make a living. So don't, you know, question his motives, be angry. Like I always love this idea. What's Yaakov trying to do? Get the Berakah. What's Esav trying to do? Get the Berakah. They're all that far apart in what they're trying to do. Now, did Yaakov deserve it? Did Esav deserve it? Yaakov deserved it. But just this idea, I want to, you know, I want to underscore this concept. You know, the anger that Republicans and Democrats have with one another. Look at what they're doing to try and win the election. The anger that the left has against the right in Israel for the elections. Our worst fears have been realized. That's what the, the, uh, the front page of the JC, I think it was, uh, said. More secular media, they're painting it out as the biggest disaster ever. My friends, how did the right paint out the Memshelet Small, the left government? With the same terms. Everybody's an Esav. 
if they're sitting on the opposite side of the table to you. But oftentimes, with a little bit of time, you come to see and the anger of the king, it diminishes. And I always love that pasuk, because it's something I think that every person who is angry should remind themselves. What a great sigula. Try this next time you're angry. And the anger of the king subsided. People who stay angry for a long time suffer from a king complex. I'm the person in charge. I'm the most important thing in the world. In the world. Everyone should serve me. They should exist to fulfill. What do you think? You're fighting for yours. They're fighting for theirs. But when I feel like I'm the king, my anger can't subside. Tell yourself, Stop being such a king. Stop seeing yourself as completely justified and the other person as a complete esaf. Because sometimes, a short amount of time away can actually solve the biggest problems. And it doesn't take intervention and you don't have to say anything. You don't need to scheme and plot and manipulate. All you need to do is back off. The Gemara was very wise when it said, and it taught us, It is not the time to try and appease someone in their time of anger. My friends, all of us have watched in some form or another the political dances in the places in which we live. And there is one line that every politician says as soon as it is announced that they have won. And what is the line that every politician, no matter where they come from, no matter which country they serve in, what does every politician say as soon as a tightly contested fight is brought to a close? Anyone know? I will be the president for the people that didn't vote for me. I will be the mayor. I will be the governor of all New Yorkers. I will, that's what they all say. Does that make anybody happier? Do you think they're listening at this point? That is a waste of breath. Maybe down the road and with your actions, you can prove that. But right now, there's nothing to talk about. My friends, sometimes we underestimate the power of time. And you know, a lot of times, I'll hear someone and they'll tell me, you know, oh, my brother said that. I was like, your brother? What brother? 30 years I know the guy hasn't mentioned his brother. Oh yeah, we, you know, we fell out when we were young. You know, but uh, he's coming to the shiva now. We're going to sit together. <laughs> what a waste. Instead of dancing together at weddings, instead of celebrating together at brises and bar mitzvahs, you're crying together at a shiva. Hazaku baruch. You won the game of life. So you know what people will say? People who fought with each other for years. You know what they say almost invariably? Rabbi, 
It's water under the bridge. Too much time has gone by. And do you know what I always think when people say that to me? Because people sometimes, you know when people disappoint because they're so cliche? No, you know what I mean? Sometimes you disappoint. The guy's like, oh, too much time has gone by. And I'm like, really? Because as far as I know, when it comes to machloket, too much time is the very best thing that can happen to a machloket. When you can't remember why you're fighting, when chamat ha-melech shachacha, when ad ha-shetashuv chamat ha-chicha, v'shachach et asher asita lo. Enough time went by and he can't remember why you're fighting. So if enough time went by, it seems to me that that's the right time to try and make a move, to try and fix something. People say to me sometimes, Rabbi, I tried to learn, you know, a long time ago. And I think, you know what? It didn't work back then. Maybe you settled down. A lot of things have changed since then. Maybe you could learn now. I can't make up. I can't date this person. A lot of time, oh, it's been so long since we were, okay? Maybe that means that enough change has happened in you and her that it's willing to give it a second, it's right to give it a second chance. We don't realize how much power Ziman has to change something. Nothing else, no ingredient, just Zeman. Where do we learn that from? We learn it from Hametz and Matzah. You take flour, you take water, you mix it together. What else do you add besides for 18 minutes? Nothing. But sometimes, my friends, the difference between 18 minutes can be Karet can be a mitzvah on one side and karet on the other. So if something feels like death itself, if something feels like a punishment, if something feels difficult, just give it some time. People struggle in bad relationships. They don't know how they're going to heal. Rabbi, how am I ever going to trust again? How am I ever going to love again? feel like I can't. Rabbi, I can't pray. I'm angry with God. I have just the thing for that. Here you go. Time. I think this pasuk is, is communicating to us a very powerful idea. My friends, I want to end with one last observation. You see, the pasuk begins by saying, Go stay away, yamim achadim, until he calms down. Ad shuv af achich, until your brother's uh, anger calms. V'shachachet asher asita lo. He'll forget what you did to him. Says the pasuk, V'shalachti, and I will send for you. U'lekachti misham, and I will take you from there. Say the mefarshim, that what Rivka was telling her son Yaakov, was until such time as Ushalachti and I will send for you, don't come home. Because you don't know how long this might take. 
So wait for my shalachti, for my request, for my calling you home. And then, and then I bring you back. Rivka was warning Yaakov not to come back until she calls for him. Which answered for me one of the most powerful questions I always had. We know Yaakov stayed away for a very long time. And we know later on that Yaakov Avinu pays the price where he loses his son and the rabbis explain that he doesn't have his son with him because he did not come back to be with his parents. He spent that time away from his parents. But it always bothered me. Why didn't Yaakov return? Okay, however long it take, however long it took to get uh, Rachel and, and, uh, and Leah, fine. Now you got the prize. Seven years, now you have both of them. Okay, you don't want to lie because you told him you're going to work another seven years even though he tricked you and really you could kind of trick him back. You're Yaakov, you're a man of truth. Fine, keep your word. 14 years. Then go back. Starts having children. What was it? Well, free schooling? What did he have in Haran? Medicaid? Why, why didn't he go back home? This special gives you the answer. Because his mother explicitly told him, don't come back until I call for you. Because he's not ready. By the way, what happens? Yaakov is in a situation where it's no longer tenable for him to stay with Lavan. And he sees Lavan's face is angry towards him right now. So Yaakov says to himself, I have a person who's angry at me right now. And I have a person who may still be angry at me from way back then. I have to take my chances, even though my mother hasn't sent for me. But until that point, until breaking point, Yaakov Avinu was listening to his mother. But my friends, as we always learn together, the lessons of the Torah are not just about Yaakov, Esav, Rachel, Rivka, Leah. They're about you and me. One of the biggest mistakes that people make is they try and figure out for themselves what temperature the person they're in a fight with is at. And Rivka says, don't you be the gauge of that. No, I, I talked to him. We're fine now. Really? Didn't you learn already that the word fine doesn't mean fine? Are you not married? I'm going out with the boys, honey. I'll leave you here with all the kids. Oh, okay, yeah, you do that. That's fine. Is anything but fine. <laughs> but you don't gauge it because you're not aware. Because you're you. <clears throat> Oftentimes, the thing that a person needs in order to distinguish if enough time has gone by is a third party who is disconnected. And when they hear from that person, you ask someone to test the waters, to talk to them, to hear how they speak about it. To hear if they're open. One of the saddest things that ever happened to me was the opposite of an Aharon HaKohen moment. And what do I mean when I say the opposite of an Aharon HaKohen moment? There was a family in London who had cousins that they never met. How did they find out, these cousins? How do we, we were on a Poland trip. And in Poland, 
the different kids were encouraged to stand up in various places and tell stories about their grandparents. Hey, one kid gets up in Auschwitz, <clears throat> and the kid starts talking about her grandfather, or her great-grandfather, I forget. Anyway, this other kid in the room is like, your great, that's my great-grandfather. I was going to tell that story. These are cousins, maybe, I don't know, first, second cousin. They are unaware of each other's existence. They never met each other. They don't know each other. How did they get, how did they meet? They met in a place where their great-grandfather suffered the worst indignities of, human, uh, of the human spirit. Think about going to Auschwitz to bring Jewish family back together. Anyway, I'm hearing the story and I'm seeing what's unfolding in front of me. Two cousins realizing, recognizing, reconciling in Auschwitz. I actually don't remember. I think it was Majdanek, not Auschwitz, excuse me. In Majdanek. <laughs> and listen to this. When we get back home, so I think, you know something? Maybe this is a chance. The kids have met each other. Maybe there's a chance to patch up a family. So I told the kids, I was like, look, go home. Sit your parents down. Start telling them about the trip. Don't tell them about it yet. Tell them about the trip. Tell them about what happened when you went to Majdanek. Break it to them slowly. And you know who? And all of a sudden, this person. And then tell them about the cousin. And tell them that you're friends. And ask them if maybe it's time. And the kids report back to me the opposite of an Aharon HaKohen story. Each one came back and said, my parents said that we were ready to make up a long time ago. But we're just waiting for them to come for forward and apologize. What did Aharon HaKohen do? He would go to each side and say, oh, the other side wants to apologize. The other side wants to apologize. If only I was an Aharon HaKohen. If only someone could let go of Vichamat HaMelech Shachacha. If you could stop being the king with someone needing to kneel and uh, kiss your ring, you know, in order to move forward. Shachacha, it would go. Ach, how many years are wasted. How many great opportunities? How many, is anything more beautiful than family? How much wasted opportunity? I think all of that is hidden in this pasuk. Hashem should bless us to be strong enough, to be man enough, um, to, be, uh, to be patient enough to allow time to heal all wounds. Hashem, Bezat Hashem, should bring Ose Shalom Bimamav. Amen.